airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And uh, Sherry B. is over in Studio CC. Mm-hmm. And we'll open the phone lines up in the last segment of the show. Get your take on some of our discussion today. Thank you so much. I really do mean it. Thank you for listening. Um, thank you for checking out the podcast. Um, thank you for the letters that you write. And so many of our listeners have questions and um, requests of us. Yeah. And I just feel I feel so inclined to let you know that we are receiving those. It's just a lot to respond to. Yeah. So you're not being ignored. And so this is sort of like a, um, excuse me, a massive, um, you know, response saying, hey, got it. Okay. (laughs) So your messages are coming in. Just know that um, we have to respond to each of those and we will respond to each of those. Mm. So that takes more time. Right. It does. Um, We don't have an we don't have an auto reply. Well, now on the Facebook thing, I think we do. Um, But then you'll notice that we often go back and then because you you still have to read those and respond. So anyways, um, the bride, you matter. That's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? You matter. And uh, we're getting your questions, your requests and uh, for your comments. though, let me say this. Your comments were like, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. got it. So I'm saying got it to that. But Mm -hmm. that doesn't always like require a response. Mm -hmm. Right. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we can just be like, oh, okay, yeah, no, that's a good thought. Oh man, I'll have to look into that. And so that's different. So I can't, I can't respond to each and every one of those. Um, but we read them, we see them and we, we get them, you know? Um, but the questions and the requests, those are the ones that take a little bit more time. And we just want to let you know that we, we're we getting them yeah. and we will respond to each of you. Um, so just know that uh, if you have questions or comments, mm-hmm. um, you can send those to Addison's, mm-hmm. right? Addison's at AFR.net. AFR. Mm-hmm. That's right. Addison's yes. at AFR.net. We will get that and we will respond to you. Um, I think we're nearing the cutoff for the marriage family life date night. Yes, we are. Um, as I'm understanding from Jade, mm-hmm. there's a because there's a strict number thing that has to exactly. be adhered to. And we're getting pretty close to that. So there's so I think if you're if you're planning to go, if you're in the Tupelo area, uh, February 9th. Uh, one evening, 630 to 830, mm-hmm. um, the Addisons will facilitate an evening of discussion about marriage and family and um, where we go from here. Mm. So it'll be hopefully some fun, yes. but some sobriety yes. in the discussion. Um, and we want you to be our guests. If you've already registered, that's all you had to do. Mm-hmm. It's a free event. There will be who's Dovers. No, I'm just kidding. Or Durves. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Um, that's there how will I will be- say it. Right, because that's what it looks like. There will be hors d'oeuvres <laughs> um, served, and uh, and so and that's in the category of light refreshments. And we hope that you'll come out and join. Mm-hmm. But yet, you do have to register. You can't. Yes, you can't do. just show up like at your mama's house. Right. You right. can't do that. No. You yeah. Can't. You can go to marriagefamilylife.net, and you will see on the homepage there they have a, a graphic for uh, the date night. 
click yeah. on that and take you take you right there. So marriagefamilylife.net. Yeah. I I would say that we we were pretty close to being like that's it, yeah, we're, right? We're close. So yeah. Yeah, so today I think if you're if you're deciding, you know, to today go ahead and make that decision. Mm-hmm. Um and then and then just, you know, govern accordingly. All right. Um so here's the question that I would like for us to have a discussion around today. Um, are we too late? Mm. Are we too late in this country? Now, let me be very specific, and, and I want to unpack this, right? Mm-hmm. As I do. I mean, that's not going to be anything. Yeah. I want to unpack this. That's what you do. So I can <laughs> I use a <laughs> lot of words to do it. Um, so I cannot shake this thought about um, when I consider the history of the church in various contexts, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I think that all of it's so important for us to observe, not that we try to replicate things that the Lord's done in the past. The Lord will do what he does, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that there's something that's very telling about where the church has been and what God has done mm-hmm. to preserve the church. Because one thing we know for sure is that the promise that the Lord made to the church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, that promise is true. Mm. Right. That is real. Amen. And so I cannot shake the fact that when you look at the history of the church and in America, because this is my context, I'm American. Right. So so this is the only context that I know that I'm immersed in and understand as a Christian in America. I've not lived as a Christian anywhere else. Right. right? So I don't I don't know that context. So I want to speak specifically about being the church in America. So when I observe the history of the church in America. I look at the Lord doing some things through his people at different times in the history of the church that I think, you know, if we say this today, it's almost controversial and you have to give like a disclaimer, Mm -hmm. but that was not so at one time in the history of the church in America. Let me give an example. Right. And again, remember the question that we're asking today is, are we too late? Are we too late? So, so let me say this. When I ask the question, are we too late? And mm-hmm. I know this is going to be jolting, but please understand what I'm saying. And there's so much because, okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm not asking the question, are we too late to save America? Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm asking. What I am asking when I say, are we too late? I'm asking, are we too late to posture ourselves in America for the glory of God? Mm. Are we too late to live in this country for the glory of God? Are we too late to cry out for the mercy of God, right? Are we too late to petition God to show his glory in this country? Now, why am I saying that? I'm saying that or asking that rather, because when I look at church history, Mm -hmm. the history of the church in America in particular, I see God responding in amazing ways. Watch this. That include the preservation of this nation, but that was not the request of the people praying. Mm. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Yeah, okay. Right. Yeah. You see what, you see where I'm going with this? Yeah. And I, and I try to be very careful when I read these things because I think, wow, you know, far be it from us to, we, because the Lord weighs our heart, mm-hmm. right? Remember we were looking at Psalm 78 yesterday, yes. right? They, they, they were crying out to God, but they were insincere, right? So, so God knows their heart. Right. And knows what they really mean, even against what they're saying. Right. But in the history of the church in America, there were various, various genuine cries that at their core were for God, 
like genuinely for the Lord. It was for man to be saved. It was, it was for man to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. It was that man must know God, right? Um, we've gotten dry in this land. So we need the fire of God again. Yeah. Like, you know, so, and these things were not, oh, we're losing our country. Right, right. But here is the amazing thing about God's like just benevolence toward mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. That in the midst of those cries, like mm-hmm. in the history of the church, because we're mm-hmm. talking about believers here, right? Mm-hmm. In the midst of those cries, those genuine cries that were grieved over the, the falling away in this new land, right? The rebellion that they saw in their children, the disregard for the things of God. Churches, literal church buildings, empty, mm. empty. Like where, where have all the Christians gone? Was sort of like the the you know proverbial question where have the christians gone and so in the midst of observing all of this christians began crying out not because oh we're gonna lose our land Mm. we're gonna lose our country no because if these people don't know god they're gonna go to hell right they were dealing with the the root of the the problem exactly right and and because and listen watch okay because i don't know anything about gardening but I will <laughs> pretend that I do. So in dealing with the root and, and treating and caring about the root, what grew up from that was healthy. And guess what? It benefited the nation. Mm. It benefited the nation. So my question is, are we too late? And, and you know, um, I would say we're not. Right. I would say we're not. Now, listen, we don't get to call the outcome. We don't when we ask the question, are we too late? This is not we're going to um, think the right thoughts toward God and then he will do what we want him to do. You see, that's called being manipulative. (laughs) Right. No, but this is an opportunity for us to take this introspective look at our individual relationships with the Lord and to ask ourselves, what is it that we care about when we ask, are we too late? Because the answer to that question will tell you ultimately what you care about. Mm. Right. So like when I when I think of this question, I think, man, are we too late to reach our kids? Like I think of our kids who are immersed in um, an indoctrinating society that relentlessly indoctrinates them. So when I ask this question, I think, are we too late? Um, I think not only of like, um, you know, school age kids. Mm -hmm. Right. But I think about those kids that are at um, higher institutions of learning. Right. Um, I, I think of our young adults who are in the workforce or who hope to go to the workforce. They're, they're right on the edge of that. I, I think, are we too late to reach them with the truth? That's what, that's what I think of when I think, are we too late? Are we too late to have the types of families that when people look at our families, they say, there must be a God somewhere. You know what I mean? Because they're like, I know this is hard. Yeah. But but they're doing this. Yeah. They are they are truly reflecting that God in them, the Holy Spirit indwelling them, enables them to do something different. So when we ask Man. this question, are we too late? Mm-hmm. And this is something that each one of us has to explore, Will. We have to say yeah. what what is it that we're worried we might be too late for? Yeah, that that matters. You know It matters. Um and I would say that we're not too late, but I would say that we've given the enemy in the world, a head start. If it was I, a race, we've, man, we've given so them ground and said, okay, y'all start up here and we're going to start back here. Yes. Go. Yes. <laughs> and I think, yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. going to be hard to catch up, yeah. but I, I yeah. think, you know, it's not too late. 
Yeah. You know, um, I was reading about and I'm going to read um, just a little bit of church history here because I think it's often encouraging not only to myself, but to our listeners. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because we go, oh, man, you know, God, yes, he is faithful. And we have the evidence of this. We have his word, which tells us that he's faithful. Yeah. But the Lord, man, delights to even give us experiences with him mm-hmm. <laughs> where he shows you Amen. that he is faithful. Right. Amen. And this is this is beautiful. He doesn't have to do that, but he does. Um Anyways, um, so so thinking about the first great awakening, right? Mm-hmm. First great awakening over in the new world. And one of the things that we often think about is that um, the first great awakening produced these preachers or <laughs> I don't mean to chicken or egg this or the <laughs> preachers produced the great. I don't know which I don't know. I don't know if it was, the, you know, the, <laughs> the Lord moving and out of this move movement came these preachers or. These preachers preaching and then this movement. Maybe it's got to just be the Lord from the beginning, right? <laughs> right. Because even the movement on I their think that's heart, the best right? Bet. Yes. So, so it's chickens, <laughs> the chickens. Okay, right, the chickens. You got to have the chickens if you go back to Genesis. So, <laughs> right. anyways, um, uh, so, so think about the Great Awakening, the first Great Awakening, and we'll look at the second one as well, right? But the first Great Awakening, um, the thing that makes it, excuse the expression, a thing is its success, right? Because if you just say, man, you had all these people preaching, then we would just be reading their sermons and reading um, their theology. Right. Like and which was great. I mean, you know, mm. th- this would be great to have a bunch of sermons just kind of come out of this strong conviction of heart. But the reason the first great awakening was great <laughs> is because it awakened people. <laughs> right. So what you actually had was you had people's who people whose you had people whose hearts were transformed. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to say, right? There was really a change that happened in them. Yeah. And what was what was the thing that portended this great this first great awakening? Well, declension, the mm. decline in the church and people observing it. Here you've come to this place and we've talked about this before. You've come to this new world, right? And things are a bit easier for you now. And you have forgotten God. So the first great awakening was this, hold up just a second here. Hold up. Remember who you are. Remember that you are followers of Christ. Care about your offspring. Your children have turned away. And the Holy Spirit takes this conviction in the hearts of a few and makes this the conviction in the hearts of many. Mm. And guess what this does? This has a huge effect on the country, the land in which these people dwell. I really think, I really, really think that if we are sensitive to this, if we could see this and understand this, it would soften our heart to seek the Lord for what truly matters. Amen. All right, we got to grab the break. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. Now I don't Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons. Um, we're the Addisons. Mm-hmm. You're listening to this program on American Family Radio, or you have downloaded the podcast and you're li- listening to that. However, it is that you've stumbled upon us. We really do appreciate you lending us your ear. I'm Miki. 
And I'm Will, that's Cherie Jones Moffitt with Renewed. Oh, and Cherie <laughs> B is over in Studio <laughs> Say Say. No, it's just, uh, whatever. Um, she'll take your calls <laughs> in just a minute. Just trying to give you a little French flair there, Sherry. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, welcome back. Uh, we were talking about um, or asking the question, are we too late? Are we too late? And um, I think it's very important what we follow up that question with. You know, are we mm. too late for X, Y, Z? Mm. And the X, Y, Z will tell us a lot more about our heart than, um, than maybe anything else. You know, what it is that we want the Lord to do. What, what it is that we're hoping that the Lord does. If we are, and, and man, please hear me. Please understand what I'm saying. Like I am reading as many, if not more of the news stories and the headlines and, and looking at the, you know, you know, <laughs> most immediate actions of the, you know, look, I'm, 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 I see all of this. Mm-hmm. I see all of this. And so to some people, it's like, Mika, can talk about that. <laughs> Warn us, tell us what's happening. I think we've already done that. I think we have I think we have warned ad nauseum. Hey, look at what's coming up the pike. Look at what's going on. But what this warning, let me say what that warning does is it makes people dig in deeper for the preservation of that which is temporal. Ah, <laughs> we, they're trying to take it. We got. So then you start digging in for that. But I don't think that's what God wants from us in America. Come on. I don't think that's what he wants. I really don't. Because we have neglected the greater things. We have neglected the weightier things. And I think what God is really calling us back to, and, and listen, it's, it's, not, it's not like the amphitheater packing out revivals. It's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh, Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. That's what we have to see first and individually. Yes. That, you know, where we are and what, where our mindset is and what we desire. You know, because there may not even be a desire if we really search ourselves. Come, Oh, man. You know know where you're going. Go ahead. There may not even be a desire, you know, for for God to to do what we say with our lips that we want him to do. You know, but really, man, the lifestyle that we live and the things that we do don't change. Mm. So what do we really want? We have to survey that. I think individuals, you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. Are we too late? Are we too late? Um, You know, you have Christians coming to a new world Mm -hmm. who want religious freedom. They want to be able to worship God. Um, They have a strong conviction that truth is contained, that the word of God is true, Mm -hmm. right? That that is the truth of God. And that it's not to be limited to just only a few people who get to read or can understand, but that every believer should be reading the scriptures and applying those, applying those scriptures. And within 60 years, 70 years in the new world, those believers are looking at their offspring and they're saying, what has happened? (laughs) What has happened? The children do not fear God as the parents and the grandparents did or do. And I think that there's something that is very instructive in that and understanding that history. And again, we're talking about in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. Well, before, right? In, in the colonies and yeah. then ultimately in the United States of America. You guys know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Um, we mentioned on this show before the Jeremiads yeah. um, that pastors engaged in preaching. <laughs> these <laughs> these like weeping sermons calling um, the colonists back to God. 
I'm just going to say Americans, if that's okay with everybody. Okay. All right. So, all right. So calling (laughs) the people in the new world who would ultimately become Americans, um, calling them back to God because of the great decline in the church. And so anyway, the question, are we too late? I want to, I want to read this for you. This is from James Garlow's book, How God Saved Civilization. Um, How God Saved Civilization, the epic story of God leading his people, the church. <laughs> it didn't, and it is an epic story, by the way. Um, so this is, this is James Garlow uh, talking about the impact of the first great awakening. And I'll read this for you, and then we'll have a little bit of a discussion around this. Because remember, the question that we're asking in the United States of America is, are we too late are we too late? All right, here we go. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be an it would be a mistake, however. So obviously, I'm picking up in a place that you'd have to know what the however is there for. But we're <laughs> not we don't have time. Um, you got to get the book. All right. So this is <laughs> this is the impact of awakening. It would be a mistake, however, to portray the Great Awakening by simply discussing famous preachers and theologians. The awakening ultimately was not about churches or pulpits or books. It was about changed lives. Mm. Earl Carnes estimate that from 30, I'm sorry, estimates that from 30,000 to 40,000 people were converted out of New England's population of only 300,000. <laughs> That's huge. Yeah. <laughs> That's huge. During this great awakening, that is huge. Okay. Some estimate that um, as many as 50,000 people were converted between 1740 and 1742. Over 150 new churches were added, while other churches were once again filled to capacity. In addition to the spiritual vigor in the New England area, thousands more flocked to the churches in the middle and southern colonies. And watch this, as if that were not enough, over 50 new colleges were founded. Some of them were Princeton University. Princeton University, Mm -hmm. whose presidents were all evangelical until the turn of the 20th century. (laughs) Columbia University, founded in 1754, originally called King's College. Brown University in 1764, founded by Baptists and originally called Rhode Island College. Rutgers University in 1766, originally called Queens College. Dartmouth University in 1770. In fact, with the exception of the University of Pennsylvania, every collegiate institution founded in the colonies prior to the Revolutionary War was established by some branch of the Christian church. (laughs) What Mm. caused the Great Awakening? What could touch 150 towns in New England alone, not including the middle and southern colonies? How can we summarize such a movement of God's spirit? The first and profound contribution of the Great Awakening, watch this, was the emphasis on knowing God in a personal way. Religion, to many, had become a cerebral exercise, a mental ascent to doctrines. Mm. (laughs) God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Come, guys, Man. it's just that's just part of our tradition. Well, we just believe this. We just but but heart completely disconnected from oh, that wow. doctrine, disconnected from that belief, the implication of the gospel. What are you saying when you tell someone the gospel totally disconnected from it? 
but can tell it upstairs and downstairs, right? So what the Great Awakening did was stir people's hearts. It stirred individual hearts that, wait a minute, this is a real relationship. This has really been secured for me by the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not just about rattling off what I believe. This is about living what I believe. Whenever the Christian faith, now listen, this is what James Garlow says in this book. He writes, and this is, I'll just read it. Whenever the Christian faith is reduced to mere dogma, its power and appeal are gone. Hmm. The great awakening supernaturally inspired by the spirit of God himself drew people into an authentic personal experience with God, which is the central cry of every human heart. We don't like what's going on in our country. It's made up of people. Each of them having a human heart. Yeah. Each of these people needing an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, not just to hear a series of our tenants. This is what we believe. This is where we stand. Yes, it is. But they should see that lived out in our lives. Are we too late? Are we too late? If our families and our children, if our interests look just like theirs, do you understand? Like what, what is it? What is it that they are going to look upon Mm -hmm. and say, there must be a God somewhere. God must be real. Listen, when in Tupelo, Mississippi, Per capita, if we can, we can we can beat the nation in the sale of like Fifty Shades of Grey tickets. <laughs> what? But at the same time, we're like, oh, we're losing her. We're I can't believe then. And but but you're like, but but we enjoy taking in wickedness. We yeah. enjoy like you, you see what I'm. You, yeah. you see, there's a there's a big conflict there because it's huge. If if the wicked people. Right. If the wicked people are just only the people in the big cities who have like, you know, the piercings and the tats and all of the, you know, I mean, we have this picture of like, wow, you know, but, (laughs) but in our own, in our own heart, the thing that we enjoy consuming does not bother us at all. It's not offensive to God. Are we too late? That's the, like, that's gotta be the question. When we look at Mm. the culture and we look at what's going on, the question, are we too late to return to God in a true and genuine posture of humility where we confess that it's us, Lord? It's not, it's not just them in New York or them in California. Won't they just break off? It's not just them because then you still got to deal with you and you're attached. You're still part of the (laughs) thing. You know what it's called. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I won't. Anyways. You know um, the thing. You know the thing. It's the country. What is it? The United States. You know, you still be attached. Are we too late? What happened in America or in the colonies, right? What happened to portend this first great awakening? It was the right posture of people who are like, God is real. Yeah. And then I was looking at I was looking at the um, the second great awakening, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, Garlow goes on to write about church growth and disestablishment. Um, Man, that is well. Let me just say (laughs) let me just say let me just say that. okay, right. Because out of the first great awakening came the disestablishment of the church from government. Mm -hmm. So this whole idea of separation of church and state and its protection for the church was also agreed upon by the church as it is today. But that was revolutionary as it, as it pertained to churches up until this point, the church was supported by the government. 
receiving monies, dollars, if you will, from the government. But after the Great Awakening, it's like, wait, hold on a second. We, we have to be able to genuinely live before the Lord. We can't have any outside, any external influences over how we congregate. Like one church cannot be in charge of the town. Mm. At <laughs> one point, some of the colonists were like, well, this is Baptistville. <laughs> and in order for you, I'm not, like, no joke. Yeah. And in order for you to live here, you have to come to church. You need to be on the church rolls. No, you can't do that, people. That's not genuine conversion. Come on. But the first great awakening said, hey, whoa, when conversion is genuine, we feel different. We're not just trying to make people come mm, to church. Right. People's hearts desire and burn within them to be around other believers. That's so it. the church is growing. That's it. And listen, when 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 the church is growing and I'm not talking about buildings here, and I know it's, it's kind of like a little bit of, of a mental shift because when we, we say the church, we automatically think of a building and then we say the church of the people. And sometimes we use those interchangeably and that's OK. But let me just make very distinct what I'm saying here. The body of Christ, when the church is growing. There is a transferal that is happening, that people are coming from out of the domain of darkness. Mm. So essentially what we're saying is when the church is growing, the world is emptying. <laughs> Do you see how that works? Mm -hmm. Right. And so those who at one time appear to be our enemies. Because God softens hearts and changes lives. They're not even they're not even <laughs> now our friends. They're our siblings. Yeah, more than that. They're in the family. They are in the family. They are united to us by the blood of Jesus Christ. But we have not allowed ourselves to get here because we are a strong people, because we are a determined people, because we are a diligent people for some things. Mm. Those things that seem to yield what we think will be the best results, we invest in that. Oh, I'm there for that. I'm showing up for that. But what about these, you know, these knees bent before the Lord? You know, what about this, this face turned to the wall? <laughs> for the sake of the loss. You know, what, what, what about, what about that? Like we, can we get that back? Like what about looking at our children and really wondering what they will inherit and not just thinking about the soil that they live on? Yeah. What yeah. will I leave That's for good. them? What, what is the spiritual legacy that I leave for them? And I think in the church, we have to have a, a, a reckoning moment. Like we have, like as the people of God, we have to have a heart check, you know, Again, where are our hearts, you yeah. know, because we can say all of that stuff. We can verbalize that's what we desire, we want. But, man, the proof is the living it out and the, the you know, uh, how how are we willing to sacrifice and the change and to, like, go before God and say, if we don't have that, Lord, I need that. I need yeah. that type of heart. I need that. You know, and that and that I think that's some of the things that have to happen you know, for there to be a shift um, in that direction in our in our country. Absolutely. I mean, listen, we have tired ourselves out. We, members of the body of Christ, right? We have tired ourselves out trying to keep up with the world around us, trying to be like them, but with a little bit of Christ sprinkled on the top. Mm. And the world has been slowly chewing on us. You know what I mean? Just just, you know, with with the with the amount of subtlety required so that we don't notice it. Mm -hmm. But the world has been slowly just kind of like you want to be like me. eh? 
You know, just <laughs> gnawing on us, yeah. right? And we keep working harder and harder to show them that we are not a threat to them. I'm just like you when Christ is saying, no, you're not. Come on. You are a threat to darkness. You're not just like them. I purchased you. All right, we got to grab the break. Aaron the Addisons, American Family Radio. <laughs> Stay right there. to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. Are we too late? Hmm. Are we too late? That's that's the question. I don't think we are. I don't, I don't think, think so. we are. Um, you know, um, but I think it's it's going to matter a whole lot um, what we are asking if we're too late for, if that makes sense. Hmm. Right? Okay. I'm Miki, <laughs> by the and way. I'm, and I'm Will, and that's Messiah by Jada Producer. We can start getting some phone um, some phone lines queued up. Sherry okay. B is over in Studio CC. I want to read just a little bit more. I want to talk about the second grade awakening briefly, but I'll do that while Sherry B is taking your calls at 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Sherry B will get you queued up. You can comment on uh, what we're talking about today. Are we too late? Again, more from James Garlow, the mm-hmm. book, How God Saved Civilization. Um, I'm, I'm going to read in two different places here. <clears throat> He's talking about the second great awakening. <laughs> I love the title of the chapter awakened again. Um, <laughs> why? Cause sometimes we fall asleep. Even He's like, <laughs> okay. Anyways, um, here we go. The second great awakening <laughs> was not a single movement, but a convergence of several independent movements whose impact was so significant that they are seen as a whole. That's amazing and encouraging guys. The movement contains such divergent streams as prestigious New England University students at Yale. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about that. Backwoods farmers from Kentucky, <laughs> sophisticated urbanites from Rochester, and members of the Underground Railroad who smuggled slaves from south to north. Wow. These and other movements made the first half of the 19th century a vibrant and fascinating time for the church in the United States. That's 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 amazing unity, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's an amazing (laughs) mark of the work of the spirit that all of these people from all these different backgrounds experiencing the same thing. The work of God, the one same spirit doing this work. Now, I wanted to look at Yale University because of the question that sort of um, lit the flame uh, for these Yale students, Mm -hmm. which I think is. Excuse me. So simple, but yet so profound. So here we go. I'm going to read this and then uh, and then we'll go to the phone lines. All right. Uh, The second great awakening. Again, this is this is James Garlow. The second great awakening was not merely camp meetings on the frontier or vigorous debaters attempting to outline the reasons for Christian unity. One of the earliest evidences of a second great awakening occurred at Yale University in New Haven, Connecticut. In 1795, Timothy Dwight grandson of the famous Jonathan Edwards began to lead students at Yale university to a faith in Christ shortly after he assumed the presidency. Dwight emphasized the important role of logic. Watch this. But he was quick to point out that reason unchecked by the vitality of faith would produce theological distortion Mm. (laughs) appealing to the heart as well as to the mind. 
Timothy Dwight challenged students with the question. Here it is. This was the spark that started the Yale revival. Is the Bible the word of God? Mm. Can you hear it? Can you hear it resonating? <laughs> like, can you hear the, I, I, I don't wow. know. You know, I, I've never heard any. I've, I don't know what Timothy Dwight sounds like. <laughs> right. Right. I don't know. But for some reason, when I hear that, when I read that, because it, p- partly because I'm animated, <laughs> I hear, is the Bible. <laughs> and then a pregnant pause. Anyway, but that's the, that was the question. Yeah. Is the Bible the word of God? Man. The result, watch this, the result was that many students were won over to an affirmative, yes, the Bible is the word of God. Do you want to know one man who came out of this revival? It's amazing. When you talk about legacy and you talk about almost Mm. this domino effect of faithfulness, right? One of the most promising students, Lyman Beecher. Mm -hmm. Do y'all know who Lyman Beecher was? (laughs) Oh, that was Harriet's daddy. (laughs) Do you know who Harriet was? Harriet Beecher Stowe, who wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. the whole the whole Beecher family. Right. I mean, th- they were. Well, I'll be careful. I was going to say they were agitators, but not in a bad way. Like they were <laughs> they were like, hold on. What does the word of God say about humanity? What are we missing in the United States of America? But this all goes back to Lyman Beecher, who came out of this Yale revival <laughs> because because Timothy Dwight asked the question, is the Bible the word of God? <laughs> Yeah. Is the Bible the word of God? Listen, let me let me read this and then we'll go to the phone lines again. One of the most promising students, Lyman Beecher, was one to this position during President Timothy Dwight's discussions. And Beecher would later become a very significant leader in the Second Great Awakening. Dwight, in the tradition of his grandfather, viewed revivalism as an effective technique for reducing infidelity, <laughs> lack of faith among Yale students. So persuasive was this president that in 1802, one-third, one-third of the student body were converted under his preaching in the college chapel services. Wow. Come on. (laughs) Come on. Wow. Are we too late? Oh, no, we're not. Can we ask the question, is the Bible the word of God? Are we too smart to depend on the wisdom of God in America? Are we too independent to depend on God in America? That's what I'm saying. Are we too Man, late? But our That's question, the question we've got to ask. It has to be that question, you know, and again, as you emphasize, not speaking of saving the country, you know, or, or you know, just America. But man, seeing, you know, men and women, boys and girls come to Christ, mm-hmm. you know, revival. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to tell you, because man. I think I think that if if the latter is the desire, you know, men and women, boys and girls coming to Christ, a genuine conversion. Mm-hmm. If the latter is the desire, then the former almost becomes automatic. Come on. It has an effect. Guys, that's that's why yes. we're here now in, in some regards. When I, we talk about the preservation of this country, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's not been this sheer independent thinking mm-hmm. away from God. That's right. No, it has been men must be saved. You deal with the root, you get the proper fruit that you desire. Are you trying... Huh? You know, you know, that had a rhyme in it. You know, I don't <laughs> no. know what you're doing, but because I, I heard and this is where the organ starts to play. Dun, dun. <laughs> if you deal with the root, dun, dun. y'all don't hear me. Hey, OK, I'm sorry. Anyways, um, <laughs> you were preaching there just for a moment. Do you want to go to the phone line? Yeah, let's go to the phone line. Let's go to uh, Shelly in Texas. Hi, Shelly. 
Hi. Hold on just a second because I'm going down the road and I need to pull over. I apologize, but I needed to call in. So give me just a minute. Okay. No, that's no problem. I'm so sorry. No, we want you to be safe. Um, You take your time. Tell them that I'll take a Diet Coke. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So um, I'm going to turn you guys on. Where'd you go? Um, I'm going to turn the speaker off. Oh, goodness. Okay, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. We're here, Shelly. You be safe. Be safe. (laughs) I need to say that it is not too late Mm. because God is always going to speak through his people at Mm. every time and every place. And he is speaking through you, and he is speaking through many others. Mm -hmm. I'm traveling across the country and every place I stop for gas, I tell those young people behind the counter about Jesus. And Amen. they're hungry. Mm. Amen. They're hungry. Come on. And, and, they, and they look at me and they honestly say, no, I don't know Jesus. And mm. I get to tell them who Jesus is. Mm. And so it is time for God's people to love God's word, to know it, mm-hmm. and to live it, and to speak it at every opportunity. And when that happens, we will speak to the needs of the people. And I pray, I've prayed for 41 years, I pray for a revival in America, mm-hmm. the third great awakening, because Come that on. is the way that we have to go. Amen. God bless you, Shelly. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Really appreciate wow. you calling in. What an encouragement wow. and what a challenge coming from Shelly. God bless her. God mm. bless you, Shelly. Where do we go next, Will the Great? All right, let's go to Lindy uh, in Illinois. Hi, hi, Lindy. Hey, how you doing? Good, good. Hey. Uh, listen, I was driving down the road and I've been um, thinking and just meditating on some stuff and reading my Bible. And I recall hearing them saying that they have um, people coming up through Mexico to come into the United States. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so um, why why can't it be the Christians that meet them and minister to them and share the word with them? Yeah, I don't know any reason why why Christians can't respond to that need. Um, I will say this for the the people who have come to this country illegally already. I think that the Christians are responding ongoingly. Yeah, um, yeah. I think Christians need to mm-hmm. respond. But, but but let me also say this. In addition to that, in addition to that, I think that our government needs to respond. Yeah. Our government and 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 I, I man, not to derail where we are, but Lindy is raising a question. Yes, mm-hmm. I think that the body of Christ needs to respond meeting the needs of others, but I think at the same time and at the same time, we are a nation of laws, we are a nation of borders, and God has done that in his sovereignty. The Lord has determined boundaries and habitations. The Lord has done this, right? Yes, right. So we can't we can't um, sort of airbrush that from the word of God, right? So yes, Christians can respond, but I'm going to tell you, and, and again, this is one of those things where the sun rising on our choices, okay? <laughs> you, you need to have a government in place that says, no, you're not going to just, you know, <laughs> breach our borders. Right. Right. Like right. you, yeah, people have needs. They do. Right. Mm-hmm. There is aid that can be given. There, yeah. there are missionaries who can be sent, but you can't just storm into somebody's country and say, Hey, we're coming. And there are ministries that I know of that do help people that are here, yeah. you know, um, 
to to even do things legally, you know, once if, if they're here, you know. But, yeah, I agree that, you know, the people who are coming, man, you know, we have to have, you know, laws in place uh, to to protect the country, you know. And I think I don't I don't think it's one like we shouldn't look at Christians and, and say, well, you need to go down there. You need to do this and you need to do that. There are, there are ministries that are doing different things, but mm-hmm. we also live in a society where there's laws and that can't yeah. be overlooked. So, yeah. And this and, and this reflects the character and the nature of God. Mm-hmm. Right. Lawful laws are good. Amen. Right? Yes. Right. Amen. Amen. OK, but thank you for your call, Linda. I appreciate it. Hopefully we were able to respond um, justly and and with integrity, because I, I don't want to I, I don't like to feel like I'm in that situation where I want to be like, Oh yes, that's right. You know, the Christian needs to go because that is, that is true. And at the same time, we are a nation of laws and, and I don't see a conflict there. No, it's I'm not, not conflicted over that, you know? Um, all right. But thank you, Lindy. Well, the great, where do we go next? Let's go to Melody in Texas. Hi, Melody. Hi, Mr. And Mrs. Addison. How are y'all doing? Doing good. Oh, good. <laughs> I just wanted to call and say that Wait, I don't think I heard everything that Melody said. Hey, Melody? Hey, Melody? I don't know what's going on. Melody, Melody, I'm having a hard time hearing exactly mm. what you're saying. I think she was talking about the uh, the youth, the young people, okay. and sharing the faith, and that they're hungry. I think agreeing with our first caller. Yes. Okay. Um, well, I want to I want to agree yeah. with that, and I want to echo that. I missed the first part, and I missed a few pieces, yeah, and that's very on. important to me because I I don't I want to make sure that I'm actually responding in the right way, and so I didn't want to I didn't want to just keep quiet right. and not really understand. So I apologize, Melody. The connection started out great. Yeah, and then but something, then something dipped. you know. Yeah. Well, let's go to Sorry Diane in Texas. Hi, Diane. Hey, how are you? Doing good. Hey, uh, so I wanted to uh, respond to what you were saying about is it too late for an awakening? Mm -hmm. I think think it it happens just as it happened to that fellow that you were reading reading about, Mm -hmm. uh, talking about. Um, It happens within us. It happens within us. Other people see the light in us, and it begins. That's the way it goes. Um, also, also, I want to say, you know, um, in the situation that we're in right now, um, our government, um, we have to ask ourselves, does our government come before our God or do, does God come before our government? And we have to make those hard decisions on a day-to-day basis. And, uh, and with us making those decisions, um, we can really come to good repentance, total repentance, and uh, and and a real revival, a real awakening. Uh, that's all I gotta say. Thanks. Thank you, Thank Diane. You. I, I appreciate you. And I, you know, I I kind of was wondering, and maybe I'll just wonder out loud because we're kind of out of time. But I was wondering what um, Diane saw as like those hard decisions that we make every day, and and I'm thinking maybe just she's she's. I, I'm, I don't know. See, and that's that's the, the danger and maybe even a little bit of folly 
and trying to assume what a person meant. Because mm-hmm. I would just say this, and, and I think that Diane would agree with me here, that once we come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, once we meet God through Jesus Christ, we automatically know where the government is positioned. Mm. Right? Like yeah. that's that we know where the government is positioned. We know how we're to operate. And that's fixed. Like, I don't have to keep going back to that every day. Right. You know what I mean? Like, the Lord is chief. He reigns supreme over all. And that should be great encouragement to us. All right. We're out of time. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.